and that you're looking at passages throughout uh, the, the Old Testament, yeah, just as, as they come up from time to time. Um, so we're going to follow that theme and look at Jeremiah 29. So let, let's have a reading now. Thank you. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Thank you very much. Well, uh, we live in uncertain times, don't we? Do we? Well, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm living in uncertain times. I mean, certainly in terms of my own life. Um, you know, mo moving house, moving job. Uh, last year was an interesting year in the sense that, um, sadly, I lost my father and my mother in 2022. I'm not really sorry to say goodbye to 2022, but I found myself in this very strange place, and some of you will have travelled this journey, of kind of entering into a year where my mum and dad are not around and suddenly realising that I've got to start behaving like an adult and stop behaving like a child um, as I move forward in my life. I'm, I'm one of the older members now of my family, which is a strange thing to think about and feel about. And actually leads you into a place of uncertainty. Another thing that happened to me last year, I was, actually this happened back in 2021, but went into 2022. Uh, I was sitting in an optician's uh, after COVID, you know, we, none of us had our eyes tested during COVID and lockdown. So after that, I decided I ought to go and have my eyes tested. And they said to me, would you like to pay £10 more to have your eyes scanned at the back of your eye? Can I say to you, that is worth every pound of that £10. And I said, yeah, well, why not? Do it. So they did it. And uh, then I sat with the optician and he said to me, it's a good job you had that scanned because there's something seriously wrong with your left eye. I had thought there was something not quite right, the, the sight wasn't as good, but what happened was I had a what's called an epiretinal membrane, which actually has to be removed, so that pulls on your retina, 
I won't go into the gory details too much, but it pulls on your retina and can detach your retina. And, uh, and actually, the optician said to me at that point, well, you need to go to hospital as soon as possible to get this looked into. And I was sitting there, and I've been a pastor for many years and sat with people who have received difficult information. And I sat there in this chair, and I suddenly thought to myself, oh, my life, he's talking about me. It's very easy to kind of pass that on to someone else, but suddenly I thought, oh my life, he's talking about me. All these different things that take place in our lives create a great deal of unsettledness, don't they? One of the things people have said to me time and time again, and no one said this to me actually when I've arrived today, so, and you probably won't ask me this question now uh, during coffee afterwards, but lots of people say to me, have you settled yet? I find that a very difficult question to answer. The answer is actually, no. Not by a long way. I don't know about your life, but my life is actually, not in chaos, but it is unsettled. There's lots that is changing around me. And actually, for most of us, we can kind of extend that further, can't we? And think about the, the, the times that we live in. We live in uncertain times, don't we? We live in uncertain times. And as churches, we live in uncertain times. It's great to see so many people here. And I'm really encouraged by that. But many of our churches are really struggling. And they're not sure whether they're going to exist much longer. They feel more and more marginalised and pushed to the edge of society. And you may feel that to some extent. And these are really challenging times. Unsettling times. Times of change. And yet, it seems to me <laughs> that actually as church, as Christians, we should be pretty good in unsettling times. In many of the passages that you will look at, I guess, in the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament, many of them come at times of change, times of uncertainty. The Bible is full of situations, circumstances, when the people of God found themselves in times of change, times when things were not clear and it wasn't certain. Just think of Abraham, you know, that great calling on Abraham. And it says in, in Hebrews 11, doesn't it? It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He, he was called by God to go to a place and he didn't have a clue where he was going. I mean, that's unsettling, isn't it? That's challenging. And yet, in faith, he stepped out and entered into that place of unknownness. And if, 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 if Abraham did that, that means the foundation of which we sit on in terms of our faith coming through the people of Israel, it's un, it's, we shouldn't be surprised that we find ourselves in times of uncertainty. I think one of the challenges for us is actually we've just been through a period, if you look over the last hundred years or so, when the church has been actually quite settled. But actually that's not the norm. <laughs> the church in most places, most generations, most of history, the church has been in a place where it is in a place of uncertainty that is not at the place of the centre. In fact, actually, over the last hundred years, we've been very much at the centre, and gradually we've kind of pushed to the edges. 
But the vast majority of the time in history, but also across the world, the church doesn't find itself at the centre. It finds itself at the margins of society. In some places, hidden away, because actually they can't share their faith publicly. So it's not unusual, it's not surprising that God actually says time and time again to his people a number of words of encouragement for them in times of uncertainty, in times of change, in times of, well, unprecedented times. I was trying not to use that word, actually, because it gets overused, doesn't it? But in unprecedented times, when we don't know what the future looks like, God has plenty to say to us, and there's plenty of examples. And this is just one example, Jeremiah 29. And actually, it's a go-to verse, isn't it, for many people? Um, it's actually a verse that sits. So w- when I was a lad, we, we lived down in Seaford, 25 Buckle Close, Seaford. And we lived in this three-bedroom place. And my parents had three sons. I'm a twin. Um, so David and I and my brother Nigel. Uh, Nigel had a small room. We, ha- we had a slightly bigger room, which we shared. And on the wall still the, uh, uh, is a drawing that was given to us by a guy called Graham Tucker, and he wrote this, this, this famous verse, this verse that we love to go to. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And that sits. And every time I go to that house, I go up into that bedroom and you see that verse. Right, as you go through the door, it's right in front of you, reminding you of God's great promise. These, this passage, this letter written by Jeremiah to the people of Israel in a difficult time is a letter of encouragement to some extent, but within it, a letter of truth. So what I want to do, if that's okay, is I just want to share four things that flow out this letter. There's a lot more than four, but I've chosen four different things that actually I think are helpful in times of change in times when we don't really know what the future entails. And uh, these are all going to appear on the screen for you. So the first one is this. As Jeremiah writes to the people, on behalf of God, the prophet Jeremiah, and he writes to the people, he says to them this, settle in the present. Build homes and settle down. There's that word settle again. <laughs> Plant gardens, eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Settle down. It's very easy in moments of uncertainty for us to do two things. And this is very natural. And you may, be, you may lean into one of these or the other. And the first thing is that we may actually lean into the past. So in moments of difficulty and change and unsettled times, we look back and we remember how it was better in the past. And the people of Israel could have done that. These are people that have been exiled They're away from their country and their their lands and their towns and particularly from the temple and the place where religion and worship took place. And they could look back and say, oh, it was so much better then and God was working and moving and changing things and doing things back 
then. And that's one thing we can easily do, can't we? Particularly as Christians. I don't know, I don't know the history of this church. But when I went to Eastleigh Baptist Church, um, they used to tell me about the seven coaches that would queue up in Desborough Road, ready to take the young people away on their annual camp. I mean, seven coaches, I don't know how many, that, that hundreds of children and young people going away, and how the Sunday school was massive and huge. And I would say, isn't that great? Wasn't God good? Wasn't that fantastic? But that's not where we are today. And then the other thing, and I fall into this camp a little bit, is to, uh, to look forward and say, okay, things are not good now, but if we look forward, everything's going to be all right and we're going to be visionary and expect God to do great things and fantastic things. Now, don't misunderstand me. Both these things are quite important. It's important to understand and appreciate and value and celebrate and give thanks. I'm a big fan of of church anniversaries, by the way, because I think there's a moment where you stop and you say, what has God done? And and we sang it, great is your faithfulness. To look back and say, God, you are faithful. And actually it's great to look forward because we need to look forward because we're going forward, whether we like it or not. So we need to look forward and recognise that God is there before us and leading us and directing us. And there is a hope for the future and we sung about that as well. But the danger is this, that sometimes we miss the present. Right now. Here. Here. In whatever the moment is, whether you're unsettled or settled, God is here. God is with you. God is the God of the past, the future, but he's the God of today. And I sense that what God is saying to the people of Israel is, don't miss this moment. This moment in exile, when everything seems to be going in the wrong direction, and you feel like you're in the wrong place, I am here with you. And I can do things here in this moment that couldn't be done in the past and couldn't be done in the future, and I will use this time. Do you know the exile was used? It's a huge moment in the history of the church. Do you realise that? Absolutely crucial. Because what happened in the exile is they left behind the one place of worship, the temple, and they had to learn what it was to worship God in congregations. They were called synagogues. They learned about synagogues during the exile. These gatherings of Jewish people that worship God. And what did Jesus say? Jesus took that and he said, I will build my church. He uses the word ecclesia which comes from synagogue. The little clusters of people, the congregations of people in one place and another and another to learn that actually we can worship and God can be with us in lots of different places. And that was learned partly through the exile. God can do things in these moments today. And one of the things I want to encourage you to to ask, what's God doing today? Yeah, celebrate yesterday. Look forward to the future. But don't miss what God is doing here right now. I love the psalm, Psalm 118, verse 24. This 
is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So settle, settle in today. Settle in the moment and allow God to work amongst you. Second thing is to seek peace. Seek peace. Did you pick that up as the reading was read to us? Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city of which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. If I was amongst the, uh, the Jews that have been exiled, I think I would want to sign up to the rebellion group, wouldn't you? The group that is going to cause trouble, make it difficult for our enemies, these enemies that have taken us and brought us to this new place. You know, during the war when Germany invaded France, France, you know, fell quite, quite quickly, but it had this resistance that actually caused all kinds of trouble. And actually, I love the stories when you hear some of the stories of some of those great resistant people that, that it caused havoc across France for the German occupation. That's the kind of person I would want to be. I'd want to sign up for that. I'd want to make it tough for our enemies. God doesn't say that. God has a different strategy. God says, when you face difficult times, when things are going against you, when society particularly is saying, do you know, we don't really consider the Christian faith much nowadays. Rather than resisting, seek peace. Seek the prosperity of all those around you. And don't let it be, don't let it be passive. <laughs> you know, peace can often feel like, oh, it's just a sense of calmness. We're not talking about a sense of calmness. We're actually talking about a bigger sense of peace. We're talking about shalom. Shalom is the, the, the Hebrew word. Shalom is this sense of being at peace with God first. And knowing that he is with us. You know, even in this difficult circumstance, he goes with us and he's there. And because we're at peace with God, we can be at peace with each other. In fact, actually, the word, I mean, the word peace is a poor word for the, in the English language in one sense, because often we think of peace as being quietness. You know, it's just everything's being still. It's when the kids have left the house and everything is quiet. And we go, it's peaceful. I don't think that Scripture is talking about that kind of peace. I think it's talking about blessing. I quite like the word blessing. The blessing of God upon us and upon our community. And that blessing is not passive. It's proactive. It's proactive care for each other. So in this moment, we bring peace to each other by looking after each other. But it's further than just us. It's the prosperity of the towns, the villages, the cities around us. And in this moment of uncertainty that most of us find ourselves in, in terms of church life, let me encourage you to seek peace for Pembury. Seek peace for Pembury. You know, church, you're not here for your sake, partly. <laughs> but you're here for the sake of this community. 
One of the things that I hate about regional ministry is having to close churches when we have to come to a point when we have to close churches because that means a light goes out in that community. It's sad for the church, it's sad for the history of all that God has done, but it's even sadder for those that live in that community that would no longer have a church on their doorstep. God has placed churches, lampstands, in different towns and villages and places. He's placed you here for a reason, that you might be the light of Jesus Christ into this community. And I know you're doing that, and I want to encourage you and say you're doing a good thing. Bring the peace of God to Pembury as best that you can. And as they prosper in God's blessing, you too will prosper in his love. Seek peace, seek peace. And then remain patient, remain patient. And this is, um, I mean, this is a go-to verse, uh, this verse 11, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, is a go-to verse for so many people. And uh, it's probably a verse that everyone can quote, almost, if you've been a Christian for a number of years, you'll be able to quote it. One of the things that annoys me about this verse when it is quoted is it's not quoted in the context of which we find it. So it's a great verse, for I know the plans I have for you, and people get a great deal of comfort from it, and I I pray that you will today. But let's not miss verse 10. Verse 10 says this, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. 70 years! I don't know about you, but I'm not a very patient person. (laughs) I, I wasn't as a child. You know, I remember on Christmas Eve, my mum and dad would put us to bed and uh, I couldn't sleep. And I used to get this, I had, used to have this game in my head where I count the seconds of every minute waiting for Christmas to come. A silly little thing. But I didn't get much sleep that night. But just desperate for Christmas to arrive, you know. And eventually half past five would come and I'd be out of my bed trying to wake everyone out, up in the house. Or if I was going on holiday, couldn't sleep. I was just so impatient to go on holiday. I would get so excited about what was going to happen. I don't know what you're like, but that's certainly what I'm like. And we can be impatient with God as well. In fact, interestingly, Dan, I don't know who chose the songs. Perhaps you did. Did you? A number of the songs today were talking about waiting. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. And waiting is not easy. It's tough. And there are moments in church life when, and I know this, when churches get anxious about the future. And if we can learn as Christians that sense of spiritual patience, not a patience, again, that is passive, but a patience that waits for God's time. I love canal boats. Has anyone ever done a canal boat holiday? I love canal boats. I love going. Every now and then I say to Sue, I just need to go on a canal boat for a while. And she go, why? And I say, because life slows down. Slows down to about two to three miles an hour. And you cannot rush a canal boat, try it, and it generally ends up in disaster. Someone wrote this little book, The Three Mile An Hour God, when Jesus came, he didn't, he didn't 
sit in a car or get on a train or rush from one place to the other. The speed at which Jesus did ministry at was three miles an hour, which is the kind of speed you do when you walk. It's interesting, isn't it? And there are moments when they tried to rush Jesus, wasn't there? Do you remember? Particularly when Lazarus died. There were moments when they wanted to rush Jesus and Jesus said, no, we're going a while. We'll wait. Going at God's pace is not easy. But there, and I'm not saying God is always slow, because actually sometimes God moves quicker than we could ever imagine. And he's able to do that. But quite often, his beat is a lot slower than ours. And he wants us to slow down and wait for him to do what only he can do. 70 years is a generation that I pray, I mean, I pray for revival in our country. I pray it won't be 70 years. But if that's God's time, then that is God's time. Whenever I visit someone in hospital, I almost always hear the same thing. I'm desperate to get home. I'm so impatient, I want to get home. And I find myself saying this, and I look them in the eye and I say, you do know there's a reason why you're called the patient. (laughs) When you're sick and when you're ill, when you need healing, you need to be patient. We need to wait. And maybe we need to wait on the Lord sometimes a little bit more than we do to allow him to do what he can do. And this last one is kind of related to this, is rest in his promise. Because let's get to that great verse that we love so much. And here is the promise of God. As you wait on me, you can rest in this promise. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This is God's promise. It seems to me when God says he's going to do something, God does it. We do not have, our, we do not have strength in, in, in our faith and Christianity in our own faith, in our own abilities. However, I mean, I'm sure you've got a great minister. I mean, Dan's a lovely guy. And I'm sure you've got a great set of leaders. And I'm sure you're a great church. But actually, in all that greatness that you have together, it is nowhere near the greatness of God. And actually, it's, not, it's in the greatness of God that you move forward. And uh, I've... <laughs> I mean, when I, was a young, young, when I was younger, I actually was in itinerant ministry and, and I, I worked for an organisation called Vis-a-Vis, loved, loved it. Um, and as I joined Vis-a-Vis, I thought, we're going to change the world. We're going to change the world. A guy called Dennis Peathers, it was so exciting. We were busy, 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 rush, rush, rush. Um, and much of it was great and much of it was of God. I'm not knocking it at all. As I get older, I suddenly realise, maybe it's because I'm getting older, but I realise it's not in my own strength. It's not in my own strength. It's in the strength of God. And I don't have to kind of wrestle with God over that, a bit like Jacob did. Instead, I can rest in God. That God knows what he's, what he's doing. I know, says God, I know the plans I have for you. Not to harm you, but to prosper you. And to give you a hope 
for the future. But this rest, and it looks a bit passive, doesn't it, in the picture that's on the slide, again, is not passive rest. I'm not suggesting that you just all ease back and stop doing things. Do note verse 12 that follows, because let's put it again in context. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. This rest, this moment of rest, as we rest in the promises of God, is, is actually to seek him. To seek him. To be prayerful. And let me encourage you as a church, if, if, I mean, I know your church that are doing some great things and keep doing those great things. Keep blessing the community. But never, never, never lose sight of prayer. Come to God. Seek him together. Find those moments within the busy schedules that you have. Put things aside. It's the, the highest priority you will ever do is to come to God on your own and come to God together. To be in his presence together and say, God, I'm seeking you. We used to have prayer meetings at Eastleigh Baptist Church. When I first went there, we had a membership of 220 plus and we were lucky to get 10 people to the prayer meeting. And I said to the church, we've got to do better than this. Somehow we've got to do better. And so I called the church to pray on certain Saturday mornings. And we hit 50 once. We were at heady heights of 50. 25%, that's not too bad for a prayer. We never got higher. I, I had this dream once that the whole church would turn up for a prayer. And of course everyone expects it to be structured, but they turned up and it was a bit of structure. We did a bit of worship. But then we just said, but we're just going to be in God's presence together. Just seek him and say, God, what are you saying? What? We just want to be in your presence. We just want to receive your promise. We want to rest in you. We want to be where you are and do the things that you're doing. Rest in God's promise. But God's promises are good, and I'll finish on this. Uh, when I was at Harlow Baptist Church a number of years back now, uh, I got a phone call on the week of Christian unity, prayer for Christian unity, from the local Catholic priest, Father Michael. Never met him. He rang me up. He said, I'm praying for you this week. I said, bless you. Thank you. I'll pray for you. He said, yeah, it'd be great to get together sometime. Come round for lunch. Uh, and so we began this tradition where I would, every now and then I'd go round to his house for lunch. He cooked this lovely meal. He told me he cooked it, and then I discovered he got it from the local restaurant, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, and we, we had this deal that, uh, that we wouldn't really talk theology. But every now and then we would kind of slip into a little bit of church and life and faith. And I remember saying to him once, he's an older gentleman, he was in his 70s, I remember saying to him, I said, Father Michael, I said, um, aren't you worried about the direction the church is going and the decline in the church in our country? And he looked me in the eye and a little bit like a headmaster would tell off a student, he said to me, did not Jesus promise to build his church? Do you believe that? Oh dear, I felt chastised. But he was right. Not that we get complacent, but when Jesus says, I will build my church, church, he will build his church. And may we, and may you, be part of that. Rest in his promise. Let me pray for you.
Almighty God, in times of change, in times of uncertainty, in times where we walk into a new day not knowing what the future entails, we thank you that you are the God of certainty, you are the God of security, and you are the God of today and tomorrow. We thank you that you go with us. And we pray, Lord, that we will be encouraged in that. Lord, we don't, we don't follow a clever plan, but we follow a remarkable God. And so I pray for this dear church. I thank you for them. May your blessing be upon them. May, may they know your peace. And may they know the joy and the grace of Jesus Christ. And as they receive all those things, Lord, may they share it with this community. May the light of this church shine brightly and may people come to know the blessing, the peace, the shalom of God himself amongst these people and may they be blessed. And may this church rest on you as they seek you and, and, and follow you. May they discover the things of God. May they discover that sense of patience in you but also that sense that you have promised and that you will fulfil. By the power of your spirit, work through them with might and glory. For the sake of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 This, just seen this. I did bring a gift for you all. Uh, so this magazine, which is the most recent uh, Baptist Together magazine, is a pile of them over on the table over there. Pick one up, there's a box underneath as well, so if they run out, we've got plenty more. Take one home and give it a read. You're more than welcome. Thank you. We say a thank you to Joff, it's great to have him with us. Very blessed. Yeah, really blessed to have Joff with us today, and we're really grateful for, for what he's brought. Mary, got you standing up. Is that. You want to say something? Or you, want to go to the, you don't want to go to the loo? You want to say. No, come on. I'm joking. Come on. Go for it, Mary. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Well, the last two months I've been seeking the Lord to ask him to change me because I had a bit of a void in my life. I felt stuck. And I kept asking. In the last two weeks, I felt to myself, I can't cope. I can't cope. I can't think straight. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And he was showing me my life over nearly 80 years of how I've been procrastinator things I wanted to do, but I've worked it out with my mind, and then I put it off. I didn't learn to drive till I was 50, because I was fearful of what to say, how to do things, and that's been my life. And on Sunday, I came here, and I thought, I feel so awful. And Dan said something, and he said about, I can't remember what you said, but all I know <coughs> is I wanted prayer. <coughs> Sorry. I, I just was absolutely the end of myself. And I just said, would you pray for me? And as he prayed for me, another lady there was, Ruth, I think she was singing. I um, stood there thinking, oh, Lord, do, do something, do something. And all of a sudden, it was like a bolt of lightning came through me. And as it happened, God showed me the problem. He showed me my dad in 1971 when he was asked to speak at a meeting 
Now, I've never been any good at speaking at home, anywhere. I've always been the silent one. And uh, he went, wouldn't go to this meeting. What he did, he went away for about a day and a half and hid himself. And uh, God said, the problem is there. And so when Dan prayed for me, just like I just heard phew, a familiar spirit from your dad. And I feel so different. I feel so, so different. I can actually look at you now and not feel, oh, take my gloves off, in case you look at me. So I just want to say thank you, God, and thank you for this church, and thank you for the obedience and the body of Christ. We need to pray for one another more, Lord. That is amazing. (laughs) Glory to God. And if you don't know Mary, she's not up the front all the time. You don't come up the front, do you? So, hallelujah, that's amazing. Wow. Just give a moment of quiet before we're going to sing our final song, but just, you know, maybe just something Joth was sharing with you and, and just, it's, it's, just let it sink in. Holy Spirit's here. What is he saying to you? What is he saying to you? Just a moment. <laughs>